On this week's episode, we answer the call of Scream. How did the Fonz become a principal? Roastmaster Wes Craven? And how mad is my mom gonna be? Find out now, you're listening to Katie's birthday episode of 24 Flames Per Second. all right all right hello everybody and welcome to the 24 flames per second podcast um the podcast that roasts the films that you love the most uh my name is katie bennett and it's my birthday y'all yeah um so because of that we're gonna talk about scream because i said so um so to my right today the stew to my billy hey you're pretty cool i put uh this was in the eventuality that i took over but i put (laughs) the stew's mom to my stew (laughs) i like it uh anyway robert bohorkas hi everybody it's robert spiewak welcome to the show uh that was a great intro that was a good intro you know i'm trying yeah i'm learning i give my phone back okay (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah happy birthday katie thank you we're here uh this is the uh episode to kick off uh essentially um horror season on the show this season uh because after this we got five we have Bless you, calendar gods. We have five weeks of October. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and so, yeah, this is a, a great little great little appetizer for it. And, um, yeah, and so we're, we're here here with the rest of the hosts. That was, yeah, that was Katie Bennett, birthday girl, video game journalist, and self-proclaimed horror expert. Mm-hmm. I think I proclaimed you that. You did, um, but it's fine. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so let's, uh, we'll get into everybody else. Uh, well, before we get on into everything else, Katie, did you watch the movie this week? Oh yes, okay, <laughs> many great. times. Good. Um, and uh, do you do you know any fun facts about Scream? Um, I don't have any like hu- well, I have a lot of like really random fun facts like references throughout the movie. But the biggest thing that surprised me as I was reading like about production notes today was that uh, just how strange Hollywood casting is. Mm. In that Matthew Lillard w- was not even auditioning for this role; he just sh- was dropping his girlfriend off at an audition nearby, and the <laughs> casting director was like, "You come here," and then now he's weird. Yeah, so it's just very strange to me how that happens in LA, apparently. <laughs> wow, I didn't Damn. know that. Well, was he like an actor yet? I think he was, but I don't think he'd really been like in anything oh, wow. before. That needs to happen to me. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> go just wander around Apparently. in Hollywood. Um, um, oh, and also, Wes Craven turned this movie down a bunch of times because he was attempting to make a haunting remake that oh. failed. And then he finally, thank God, accepted. It's hard for cash. <laughs> um, interesting. Very good. Um, and then we'll introduce the roasters this week who you might recognize as being co-hosts of the show, uh, starting to my right, actor and producer. You can find their work on Instagram at Hello Earth Productions, on social media in general. Uh, Chris Pepper Hambrick. Hello. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here to roast Scream. It's my pleasure. Mm, <laughs> very good. And uh, next to her down the table, uh, local producer of Seattle's The Moth and storyteller in her own right. You can find her on Twitter at Casey Rom. Casey Rom. Hello. And uh, your dog's here today too. Yeah. Yay, with Sula. There's a dog. Sula's here. She she She's probably quiet. won't make any noise. You will but... not hear her. <laughs> but trust she us. She is there. She's very cute. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah. Um, and then you heard her, heard her already on the defense this week is Katie. And so I... <laughs> start things off the way we always do with movie in a minute <sighs> for your birthday. Jeez. All right. I'll <laughs> give it my best. I don't think I've ever successfully done one, so well, we'll see what happens. Maybe with a new year comes new skills. And so, yeah, we'll uh, give us the plot synopsis of Scream, spoilers and all. And I'll give you a three count in 60 seconds. Sound good? Yeah. Are you ready? Yep. All right, let's do it. In three, two, one, go. Okay, so we are in a town called Woodsboro, and uh, two high school students named Casey and Steve are brutally uh, murdered by a masked killer who taunts them over the phone with uh, games, asking them about their favorite scary movies and making them do horror trivia. They ultimately fail, and they get killed. So the whole town is recovering from this, um, especially Sydney Prescott, our protagonist. Um, She is very shaken by this, also because it is approaching the one-year anniversary of her mother's brutal murder. Um, We meet some extra characters, like her friend Tatum and her boyfriend Billy and his friend Stu. Uh, Tatum's older brother, is his name's Dewey, and he's a police officer in the local police department uh anyway sydney gets attacked one night in her house by Ghostface guy and then after that the principal there's a lot going on here after that the principal puts a curfew on the hey. whole oh my god <laughs> yeah I, I floundered there mm. okay so like there's a there's curfew solid on third of yeah. the movie <laughs> we're maybe like 30 minutes in let's <laughs> grab them notes um okay where are we at um, yeah, so everyone's getting attacked, um, pretty much in just ra- random order, kind of, well, it starts kind of with authority figures and works its way down to friends of these people. Um, anyways, uh, the movie kind of, it's just attacks, and, <laughs> um, Sydney reports Billy, and he, uh, it's his, uh, alibi checks out, right? Or he gets released. Yeah, he's he, not kept. while he's while he's in jail, she gets a phone call from the killer. Yeah, quote yeah. unquote, proving that he couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyways, there's a big party at this house, which is Stu's house. Stu's house. Yeah. Um, and uh, pretty much, this is just free for all. Killer's gonna kill at this party. Um, and ultimately, it res- re- results in. Uh, I wrote chaos with so many deaths, um, <laughs> and there's uh, the, the the TV van is here with the Courtney Cox's character, mm-hmm. and the, there's a cop around too. Just kind of, they're all just everyone's around this house, and um, eventually there's several ghost faces in the house, and Sydney's running around trying to get away from them. They're chasing her specifically, and what ends up unraveling is that it was Billy Billy and Stu have been doing this mm-hmm. um, to get back at her because her mom was attractive her mom was having an affair with right. Billy's dad That's and right. quote unquote is why like she was Sharon Stoning yeah, yeah is why his mom abandoned him That's so. right I, I like stopped paying attention while they were explaining yeah. that, and I just I just remember hearing she's cheering stoning. And then, and then Stu's just there. He's, he's just there for the psychopath. Yeah, kind of unhinged. But they have this elaborate plan where they stab each other and stage the whole, the, all the deaths. Right, and the, the the killer was 
I, I forget who's going to be the, the killer. Um, Sydney's gonna... dad. That's right. I wasn't paying attention. That's fine. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, Sydney eventually escapes and calls the cops and they come and bust. I think Stu, they both die. Stu gets smashed by the TV. Mm-hmm. And Billy, does he, he, does he get caught or does he... They shoot him in the head. They shoot him, that's yeah. right. Uh, what's his nuts? The video store guy, right? Randy. Mm-hmm. Randy, yeah. Um, and then the movie just kind of wraps up. Courtney Cox breaks the story. And that's that. That's it. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot that happens. There's a lot that happens in the movie. So, um, that's okay. That's okay. And we're there. We did it. Cellular Yay. records. That's something I also wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I need that. the cellular. The cellular records. We cloned his cellular. If there's anything I learned from cereal, it's that those are not reliable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this was the 90s. Yeah, trust the Even powers. less reliable. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, great. Um, so... We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get your opening statements. And other than it being your birthday, why you're here defending Scream. So everybody, we will be right back. And we're back, everybody. It's Katie Bennett's birthday, and she made it a ways through Scream's uh, movie in a minute. I and said some sentences. This is true. <laughs> there were words. Yeah, words we were got said. some characters' names. Uh, the name of the town. Yeah. Which matters. And <laughs> we're, uh, it's, it's, it's time for opening statements. So, uh, Katie, why are you here defending Scream? Oh, man. Well, other than the fact that it's just one of my favorite movies ever, um, I just really... It's one of those movies that I can watch over and over and it's always enjoyable to me. Like I remember being in high school and I would just like put it on like just in the background just for background noise because it's just an enjoyable movie. Like you can just come in like halfway through and still have a good time towards the end. Um, I really like how I feel like it does a really good job at being scary in moments but still like having these really like funny like comedic moments as well. Um, and I think it's really interesting how up until that point, at least not in like a mainstream sense, there really hadn't been a horror movie where the characters had all like, it was taking place in a universe where slasher movies existed. So the characters all know the tropes, they know Mm -hmm. the tricks, they know the references. Um, so they're a little bit savvier in some ways, um, than others. So I just thought that was really interesting. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's super quotable. It's got a groovy soundtrack. I just, I dig it. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's start with kind of the, the plot, like what this movie is. What do you think about that? Roasters? I, I can take this. Yeah. You, you can give it a start. I, um, <laughs> I think this movie wants to be far more clever than it is. I think that it is a typical teen slasher film that is trying to skate by on like a like a winking slyness about horror movie tropes. Um, but to me, it is not enough to simply mention them. It doesn't do any of the work of deconstructing or recontextualizing them. Uh, the characters who reference these tropes don't seem to be any better at subverting them than they would be if they'd never seen a horror movie. So the fact that they mention all of these tropes and that it's meta is just this veneer of wittiness on top of something that is actually really conventional. So I think it's just, it's it's far more shallow than I think the script wants us to believe it is. Yeah. Um, and that's my chief problem with the film is that 
it could have been something that by deconstructing those tropes made us think about them in a new way. But to me, it is exactly the same thing that it is also gently mocking. Um, so in that way, it is less interesting to me than it would have been if it actually tried to take those apart. Yeah, on that note, I one of the things that I always like to do with horror movies is like determine where I die or where I tap out. And I'm like, no, I would not get myself into that situation. And there's nothing in this movie. Like, I would have just gone into police protection immediately and never left. <laughs> so it's it's so unbelievable that they have all this knowledge of horror movies and then they break all the rules anyway and put themselves in dangerous situations. And I compare it to something like Cabin in the Woods, which is also really meta and references a lot of the horror tropes. But then there's like these explanations of manipulation as to why the people are still making the bad choices and you don't get that in Scream. They're just making really dumb choices and like mm -hmm. putting themselves in murder's way. Okay. So to respond to that, I will I will say that I think that I think that a lot of horror movie tropes, especially like people making foolish decisions in the in the heat of the moment is actually pretty realistic to how people would react in those situations even when they do in, even when they have seen the movies and they know the tropes and they know what's coming. Um, so I think it, I do like, I think it does a good job of portraying that. Like there's one scene that I always think of where um, Sydney's on the phone and she says something like, oh yeah, it's all just like dumb chicks who run up the stairs instead of running out the front door. But then she's actually in that moment where she's being attacked and she's panicking, panicking and she can't get the chain lock undone. So all she <laughs> can do is run up the stairs. It's stuff like that that I think is interesting because it shows that it's like, they're not just stupid for doing that necessarily. It's like how they're reacting based on like fear and anxiety in the moment. And what I think is interesting is that the what's different about this compared to maybe other slasher movies is that the killers in this movie are specifically the ones who are really obsessed with horror movies. And they're the ones kind of like controlling the tropes in a way like they're orchestrating these situations in a way to like set it up where it follows the formula of a slasher movie so in that sense I think it that makes it really unique and effective for me as a viewer hmm. well since we're talking about the killers I think that uh there's there's a lot of issues I have with the killers one Billy is so cartoonishly evil from like the very <laughs> beginning of the movie that it's so obvious that he is either the murderer or one of the murderers and the whole alibi thing just makes it so that you're like oh well there's probably two of them but on top <laughs> of that like that that predictability and and that kind of loss of mystery which is something I do like in a slasher I do want to wonder who the killer is they're also like invincible somehow and just keep getting away with like, and it, it carries through the whole series. Like, the way that they just, like, outright murder cops so easily, it just doesn't make sense to me. And so I think that I would have enjoyed it more if the killers were something that I believe to be human and, and, you know, something that I actually feared. But instead, they're so cartoonish that I just don't buy it. Yeah, I think my problem with the killers is that there's that scene in the kitchen near the end when they totally lampshade the lack of motive and they say <laughs> like you know we're so past motives motives don't matter um and <laughs> and i feel like it's one of those things that like sometimes that works like in a movie sometimes it really works for me for someone to say 
oh yeah, like we're not going to deal with that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, let's go with that. Time but, travel. <laughs> right. But there's something about the way it's done in this movie that I just feel like it's lazy writing where it's just like, ah, uh, we just wanted this to happen. And I, I do want to put a caveat on there that like, there are really good movies about not having a motive for murder. Um, they're both very old and they're both about Leopold and Loeb. So two <laughs> really great movies called Rope and Compulsion are both about two teenage boys who are like, you know what, we're smarter than everyone else. We are going to screw up this entire town by murdering a kid and like, it's gonna be a motiveless murder and that's how we're gonna get away with it. And then the whole thing unravels, obviously. But this wasn't that. Um, and for me, having it be a throwaway, like, oh, it's just these two boys who like had nothing better to do and randomly think that like Cindy's mom is a slut. Like that just wasn't enough for me. Partly that's because I'm interested in motive. I'm interested in the psychology of it. Um, but yeah, and I, I don't know exactly how you do that without getting into territory that is a little bit dark in this day and age um, about teenage boys and mm -hmm. violence. But but yeah, that part just didn't work for me. Okay. Yeah. I think, hmm, hold on. I guess feel think about that for a moment. I feel like... I feel like what this movie was trying to do and whether it was successful or not ultimately comes down to like personal preference and like your own what you bring to the table as a viewer but I feel like me watching this and let me rewind when this movie came out I was like in first grade so I am not like an expert on um like society uh, teenage society of the 90s but I feel <laughs> like as with every generation, but especially in the 90s, people were scared shitless of teenagers. And it was like, we have this new generation where they've they've seen it all, they've heard it all, they've done it all, they're over it all. And, and they have cellular and phones. And they have cellular <laughs> phones. Anything could happen. Um, but so I feel like with that, I think that's what they were trying to do with the killers in this sense is that they're basically jaded 90s teenagers who they literally have nothing better to do. Well, at least Stu has nothing better to do, but just follow whatever Billy does. Um, and then I think Billy ultimately, I think he's like using his, this whole like, oh, I wanted it to be like a horror movie and like mastermind this whole scheme is like a cover up for his own like weird misogyny towards like, Sydney and towards Sydney's mom um, and he's got all these issues because his own mom left him so I think a lot of that like we don't need a motive it was just because of horror movies and stuff was him trying to like mask his own mommy issues basically <laughs> yeah I feel like that was kind of you're right I feel like that was kind of in the air at that time um I just think that there are things out there that did it better. Um, my favorite being Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, mm -hmm. uh, because to me, what that show was about was how being a teenager is scary and you could die and there are all these threats and there's all these things. And it did a really good job of melding like the mythical and metaphorical with the real mm -hmm. um, threats of, of teenagehood and high schoolness. Um, and so I just, while I was watching Scream again this time, you know, probably for the first time since it came out, which it did when I was in high school or college, um, it just struck me that like how close it was to my feelings about Buffy without actually being about anything. And to me, Buffy was a very similar tone, but managed to be about something. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I was missing from Scream. It was just like, yeah, you've got like a nice strong thesis statement, but there's like no exploration of it. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think about, you talked at the top in your opening statements about, you know, kind of mixing the levity with the horror, which is something that I generally enjoy in a horror movie. I like a little bit of levity. Um, I just saw it too the other day, and I, like... I need that to kind of break the tension for me, but I don't think that this movie like built enough tension to require the levity. And sometimes it was just so unbelievably uncomfortable. Like the entire relationship between Sydney and Billy is so unbelievable to start. They are not attracted to each other. They should not have sex. <laughs> like they're in. Into- well, they did. <laughs> Like, was it just me or was there just no chemistry? No, zero like, chemistry. I don't know if that's a casting thing I don't or think, a writing thing. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think either of them is very appealing, personally. Yeah. Um, I wish Drew Barrymore had been actually available as she was supposed to play Sydney yeah. originally. I probably would have been way more into that, actually. Yeah. Um, but just so much of the casting was, like, lacked appeal. And so when she's talking to him, like, I, I, I really just hate the entire, like... PG-13 or porno (laughs) or whatever metaphor that is ongoing throughout the movie. And it's when she says it, you're just like, oh, no. Oh, God, stop. Like, it's just not it's not believable. and It's not good. And I it's it's a real bummer because I agree if there had been some chemistry, at least between the couple, it might have been more believable that she's like in love with a guy who's clearly murdering all her friends. Yeah, I mean, I guess, hmm, I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> I I will agree that I don't think they have a ton of chemistry either. And it's hard, I'm not sure if that was on purpose or not, but I feel like it, it works for me because, I don't know, I feel like they don't say how long they've been together or if they do, I don't quite remember if they highlight been that. Over a year. Over a year. So I mean they're like they're they're they probably met when they were like fourteen. They're 15. like an old married couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, I mean I feel like I feel like a lot of people's like first high school relationships are kind of like awkward and I feel like Sydney in a lot of ways is like kind of She's being pressured into a lot throughout this movie, and I feel like part of, like, she's, like, pressured herself into, like, staying in this relationship almost because she's scared that no one's going to love her. It's, like, one of those things. So it's, like, she's scared no one's going to love her, and this guy seems to be into her and is stuck around. Yeah. So she's just going for it. (laughs) I actually think that could have been just explored better because it's an interesting plot line that she has this kind of post-traumatic stress and it makes her not have a libido, which is a totally reasonable response to that. And maybe it's just like the delivery. I don't know. I don't want to hate on Nev Campbell, but I just don't think she's a very strong lead. And it it made it so that I was like, this could have been a really interesting plot line, and especially in that era, like a really important kind of idea for women. Like, oh, you're allowed to be depressed or tra- like traumatized mm. and and like, you're allowed to not want sex you're allowed to not want sex <laughs> yeah and and I think that could have come over a lot better but it didn't and then she like has sex with him and then he murders everybody <laughs> so, yeah I feel like I feel like Buffy handled that exact plot yes. like a little bit better um but yeah. but yeah I I wonder if it's it's part of another problem I have with this movie in general which is it it takes pains to reference the misogyny of a lot of horror films and it takes pains to like call it out to some degree but then it kind of falls into a lot of the same traps at the same time like i i'm gonna sound like a huge perv right now but like rose mcgowan's nipples during oh, yeah. the entire the scene, scene where she dies you them. can't not see them and i it's i don't object to rose mcgowan in any way 
Um, she was actually my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, she's fantastic. Too. I love her. And I love her. But you have this entire scene where she's getting murdered and like she's and I look, she's clearly wearing a bra. Like, yeah. you know, because I looked, I noticed that, like, she had these little, like, perky nipples through the entire scene. Mm-hmm. She's wearing a bra, so someone had to engineer that. That was a yeah. choice, yes, they right? they on purpose. And then they put her in a garage where there are numerous tools and things that could be weapons, which she is completely unable mm-hmm. to figure out. It's very obvious that she could get through that dog door. Like, there's just a lot about, you know, the way that they continue to sort of sexualize and and combine the sexualization and the murder fetish of women, specifically teenage women, um, while also saying like, "Hey, isn't it terrible that like horror movies always do these horrible misogynist things to women?" Yeah. And like you kind of, it's trying to have it both ways. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point, actually, because right before uh, we started, I was kind of just like reading up about the production, and it had mentioned that Wes Craven had, at that time, he was considering taking a step back from horror because he felt like it was relying too much on misogyny and violence instead of actually being like terrifying. And I feel like I feel like you bring up really good points, and it almost, to me, it it seems like at that time in 96, it was like we were getting to a point as a society where people were able to call out, like they were able to call out things, but then they weren't quite sure what to do about it. They were like, so we know this thing's bad, but we don't really know what else to do, so let's just keep doing it. But Rose McGowan has nipples. What can you do? Yeah, like what can you do? Look at her. She's Look at her. She's <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I totally Yeah, get I, that. I I would concede that I, I I was impressed actually that Craven had made that statement and I will give him credit for trying. Mm-hmm. Like I I mean, which I believe in doing. I'm not, you know, I don't think this movie succeeds at that. Like I believe he had a genuine desire to do something different. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there are certain things about the movie, you know, pointing out like the final girl trope and the virgin thing mm-hmm. and allowing 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 <laughs> Nev Campbell now not a virgin or sorry Sydney Prescott I yes. don't know anything about Nev Campbell um, <laughs> to live you know yes. and and deliberately subverting that trope um you or know even giving her a backstory and a motivation exactly and giving like, her some like a character yeah um even if it's pretty sketched in some of the time um and then having like the Courtney Cox character be like you know, a, a key player at the end and, you know, having them, you know, work together to, to succeed. I think there's an attempt being made. Um, mm. I just don't think it's successful. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I I personally, I've always liked Sydney as a final girl because kind of like what you were just mentioning, like they actually like take the time to give her, like she's not this perfect, pristine, pristine virginal, innocent thing even though she is technically a virgin until the end but just like the way that she's portrayed like she's she's got a little bit of a messy history like she's got some trauma that she's dealing with and like all these other things that she's going through um and I think it's really refreshing to see her kind of start out being really afraid and like trying to not be like she's basically like I like I would not be a victim or something I don't know like it's nice to see her kind of turn badass like right at the end like when Mm -hmm. she's just like oh okay like i'm just gonna i'm gonna put on the mask and call you on the phone and (laughs) taunt you now um so i I like seeing that shift because i feel like a lot of a lot of final girls before it's just kind of like 
they're just cookie cutter like placeholders for for women and mm-hmm. they just like run around and then they do eventually like succeed and triumph but it just doesn't have the same oomph as Sydney because I feel like she's actually like a real person. <laughs> She's like has agency in that moment rather than just outlasting them. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's that's my take. <laughs> I have a que- I have a question for the table um, right. that that uh, we'll, we'll see um, if we have thoughts on it. So this movie kind of operates within this like self aware space, obviously, right? Um, and so I guess either either side welcome to jump in and go first or however. Um, do we think that a movie like this, like, do, does it fit within the genre that it is being self-aware of? Or is it a whole new thing altogether, do we think? Because we talked a little bit about, like, the blend of humor and horror in this. But I'm curious if it's a new thing or... I think it's an extension of an, I think it's just like a re a revamp of an old thing. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it kind of breathed life back into a genre, a, a subgenre of slasher movies that was frankly getting really stale, and people were just kind of getting tired of seeing the same thing happen over and over and over again. So I think it was nice to to go into it as like okay. Let's make a slasher movie. Let's hit all the beats that the slasher movies you know and love hit, but let's like poke at it a little bit. Like mm-hmm. let's let's make fun of it. Let's talk, let's call it out a little bit. And I think being able to not only like be self-aware but to like blend the humor, like the humor of like a 90s teen movie with us with a slasher movie with pretty decently well-known actors at the time uh, was a huge shift in the genre like Mm. for people like I think it it I don't want to say it saved it because that's putting too much on it but it definitely like it definitely helped it (laughs) interesting I think it I think Scream definitely is a slasher what I don't know is if it really saved the genre and the reason I say that is because I think of Scream 4, which came out many years later and and was an extension of the original trilogy, but what I felt like it was referencing was the Scream trilogy and not like what was currently happening in horror. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I feel like it's, while they are slasher movies, they're also kind of in their own little microcosm of Scream movies that... Well, I think it, it spawned like I know what you did last summer, oh, yeah. and so then stuff that has. was like you know outright parody. We probably wouldn't have Cabin in the Woods without Scream. Probably not. Um, and and so I think I think it revamped or it helped to revamp that genre in a way that it it spawned like a whole bunch of things that were kind of cashing in or or trying to like take that new spin on it. Um, but I I agree with you that that it was it is the thing that it's that it's sort of gently parodying um i think it i think it definitely but i think of it as a it's got a teen movie paint job but i think the the structure and the intent and all the rest of the stuff all the inner workings are slasher movie Mm -hmm. um so i think it absolutely is that thing i don't think that's a that's neither here nor there really but i Mm -hmm. think it i don't think it i don't think it transcends that genre per se it Mm -hmm. just i think it's a it's a good example of that genre but it's the the differences are fairly superficial Mm -hmm. i think and and for me like one of the reasons that 
that I just still love it so much is that it it feels like you you can tell that the people who wrote like that Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson like they genuinely love horror they love this genre and like slashers and like I think to me as a horror fan it's just delightful to like see all that on screen and to like see those references and those callbacks like I think maybe now it if that movie came out now obviously it would not have the same impact because we've seen that so much it's like people are kind of getting tired of the in your face like nod to things um especially uh, like of nostalgic Mm -hmm. things um but it's just I just I don't know it just makes me happy when I watch it (laughs) what did you think Robert? Um, uh, well, not to, uh, not to take my mask off too much, but um, I, I think... I meant about the genre, but... Oh, the genre your, thing. Your, your yeah, question, yeah. Your own question. Um, I think it's so funny that I was just thinking about it earlier how like movies like Cabin in the Woods are totally like, I don't know, related to this kind of movie that's like, we, we know what ingredients go in a horror movie pie, and we're going to do that, but... Some I, this one's I don't want to extend the metaphor anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we're gonna try something new with it. We're gonna not make it. I don't know what the fuck. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think it's a. I think when this movie came out, it's it's experimental for what it meant to do a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that looking back on it, I think we've seen we've definitely seen a lot more of this kind of thing. This you know this this scariness self-awareness mixed with like humor that um i'd almost say that like now that genre has gotten stale mm-hmm. but um and i think you you kind of hinted at that too so yeah i don't know that's generally my generally my thoughts before we get to the end of the show but but yeah um which we might we might be about at the end right now <laughs> anyways um but but yeah i don't know roasters any final thoughts I wish the rest of the movie was as good as the opening sequence. Mm. Agreed. Mm. I would. I would say that I. So I obviously love though. I love the opening sequence. Um, I thought it was really clever, and I mean, I know that the real only reason that they ended up doing this was because Drew Barrymore had to back out and was no longer able to play Sydney as she was originally cast, but. I just love the idea of, like, the most famous person in the movie just getting <laughs> axed, like, within the first ten minutes and no trailers or advertisements, like, even hinting at that at all. Um, I don't think we'd seen a whole lot of that at that point either. Um, and then one one other kind of, like, side note kind of related to what we were talking about before, like, before we unmask, is that I... I think another reason why this movie has stuck in people's brains and was so unsettling at the time that it came out was that, and I didn't really realize this until I was watching it again last night. Like, I've seen this movie so many times, but I was kind of trying to watch it very, like, critically last night. And it's kind of amazing to me how unfazed most of these teens are that there is a masked killer (laughs) around like they're just so and I think it I think it was like supposed to be like a commentary on how jaded like teens were at the time like maybe blaming it on like media or music or whatever you want to blame it on (laughs) society but it's like yeah there's all these killers going around and everyone wants to make a joke about it and then they get a curfew because they're trying to be like hey be safe and they're just like thank you Sydney for being attacked so that we can all go have this party <laughs> like um, there's like a weird interpretation of curfew 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I think that's just like an interesting commentary on, hmm. on again, people just being afraid of teenagers. Yeah. Um, and with that, we're about at the end of the show, or at the end of this part of the show. Um, and so let's uh, let's unmask. We'll go around and we'll talk about how we really feel. Katie, you can go first. Um, I think it's pretty obvious, but I <laughs> I fucking love this movie. Um, it's one of been one of my favorites ever since I can even remember. I don't even remember the first time I watched it really. Um, and I think. I actually think I saw this movie before I had even seen a lot of the movies that they reference. Um, and so it actually sparked me to like go yeah. and, and explore like this genre more. So I don't know. It's just very near and dear to my heart. Mm, very good. Uh, Casey. Uh, I will give you two facts about this movie that will unmask themselves for me. Um, one of which is that I wrote a thesis on this movie in college for a rhetoric and genre class. And two is that it's in my top four on Letterboxd. Yes. So <laughs> I nice. fucking love this movie. Nice. And when Katie told me this was the movie, I wanted to cry. Oh, well hidden. Yeah, yeah that was thank good. you. It, it was really well. I, I had to watch it with a critical eye, but I'm not... I'm I'm still gonna rewatch yeah. it and all the sequels like a hundred times. So and, and yeah, like when I was watching it, there were some things that I could get like kind of nitpicky about, and some of the lines were like the whole like we're raw footage and P thirteen yeah. were edited for television. Now like that was a little corny, but I think I think at the time it it seemed really clever. Yeah, and it was, it was unique. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't remember how I felt about this movie when I saw it. Uh, it <laughs> kind of made very little impression. It was okay, and I still feel like it's okay. Um, I feel like I, I can understand why it had an impact at the time much more. Um, I don't feel like it's aged super well, and it's just not... Um, it. Yeah, I just I didn't feel like I had a lot to say about it, because I just don't feel like there's a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I would like it a lot more. I really find all of the leads super unappealing, like <laughs> negatively appealing. <laughs> so it's really hard for me. Like if I, and I'm so sorry to them because I'm sure they're great people um, who are not listening to this podcast, but you don't know. I don't know that, but Something I have, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, but I think like, I think I would like it a lot better if it was, like I said, I do think it's brilliant that Drew was killed off like at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But I think my, like one of my, favorite movies that came out around the same time was The Wedding Singer, which is a very stupid movie. But <laughs> she was very appealing in it, yes. and that worked on me. And I just feel like, like for me personally, just the chemistry was wrong. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I haven't watched this in a while. And I, I, think it's, I think it's good. I don't think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that most of that is just kind of due to, like, a lot of this dialogue... Mm. is really bad <laughs> and like yeah slasher movies sometimes have really bad dialogue in them but i don't know i bet we've recently we've been doing a lot of 90s movies and i've seen enough of them that like man writers in the 90s were trying way too hard mm -hmm. to be like creative with the way normal people speak and I think that that happens a lot in this movie. Like the whole, the whole like what their relationship is in ratings is so yeah. intricate, and no one speaks like that. Like no human. Not even movie buffs. Like, yeah, talk about their lives. Oh, my like life that. is so PG. Like <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, How do you really feel? But uh, but yeah yeah I, 
I, th I think generally, like, I think that it's now on screen should be on a, should be on something of a pedestal because I think that it did start like that question came from me being like, yeah, I'm pretty sure like these, this self-aware of a movie like didn't exist before this, right. like, especially in like genre filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And so I think that because of it, we have a lot of like this, I'm sure like Charlie Kaufman saw this movie and was like, let's write, well, I have no idea, but Synecdoche, New York, like where it's just mm -hmm. so a box inside a box inside a box kind of thing that is, I don't know, this really like, I don't, I don't know the right word for it, but it is experimental. Like it's mm -hmm. trying a new thing based on knowledge of that thing mm -hmm. that is it's interesting it's mm -hmm. it's it's and it's cool that we got a lot of maybe this movie's messy but it put a lot of the tools on the table for other people to be like okay let's focus this more mm -hmm. for sure. yeah my brother is in a bunch of like indie beat horror movies now yeah. and he loves this movie mm -hmm. yeah. like so yeah. yeah it's definitely definitely kind of breathed some life and passion into into that world and i think it's yeah. interesting that wes craven directed this like Already an accomplished horror filmmaker. R.I.P. Like, he's like, all right, let's roast myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. That's I think it's good. Yeah. Also, um, watch it in a horror marathon. Fun fact that I just remembered was that I'm pretty sure like the sales of uh, caller ID skyrocketed after huh, this movie sure, came out, and so I just love. That's why I love horror is that like it just can affect. Oh, like yeah. actual real life things so sure. much like and how people react um and i don't think like i don't think a slasher had really like used like modern technology for the sure. time like it was a lot of the same old like he's got a knife and an axe and he'll just walk around until he finds yeah, you and this yeah. was like right. they'll, they'll call you they'll clone your cell phone they'll <laughs> your cellular yeah your, your cellular excuse you the cellular records yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and i think did this was this when David Arquette and Courtney Cox yes, met? It yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh. We can talk. I don't. We don't have to. You talk can find the era that, if you uh, marathon Friends on Netflix because her name in goes credits, from Courtney Cox to Courtney Cox Arquette. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, and their characters like fall in love over the course of the first three movies, and then at the end of the third movie, they get engaged, and that is kind of when they got engaged oh, in real life. Oh wow. But by the time they made Scream 4, they were divorced. They were divorced, <laughs> yes. Um, well. But it's fine. That movie still slaps. Yes. So. No. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Very good. That'll about do it for your birthday episode, Katie. Yay. Yay. Uh, happy, birthday, happy birthday, Katie. Thank you. And um, we're going to keep chatting for the extended play, everybody, which is only for our Patreon supporters. So if you want to get in on that, listen to some more good stuff. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash 24flamespod. You can find us on social media at 24flamespod. You can email us with more thoughts about Scream or horror movies or whatever. Or to wish Katie happy birthday mm -hmm. at 24flamespod mm -hmm. at gmail.com. And other than that, uh, wherever subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review, and uh, we will uh, use all that information to make the show better. So that it, after you've subscribed, you'll hear the difference in the show's quality. Maybe. And, uh, yeah, everybody, so I already mentioned this earlier in the show, but next week we kick off our five weeks of horror, thanks, Calendar, mm -hmm. with, uh, what's the first one we're doing? Beetlejuice. Ooh. So, yeah, come back come back for that. It's um, this year, for instead of just general horror, we're, we're focusing that laser into undead slash zombie movies. So, 
we're, we're looking forward to it. Should be a lot of good stuff coming up in the next five weeks. So stick around for that, and we will uh, we'll catch you then next week. Everybody, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Happy birthday, Katie. Bye. For the last time on yes. the show. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Sydney. Fish media. Yeah.